Are you a fan of the finer things in life? Well, of course you are. You're listening to my voice right now. I have some good news for you. If you're a fan of high class, delicious Italian coffee, I have a promo code for you. If you check out Lorenzotti Coffee at lorenzotti.coffee and use the promo code THEMADONES, you can get 10% off their fantastic beans. So join us, lorenzotti.coffee, promo code THEMADONES. You are listening to an MLGA Network podcast. The only people for me are the mad ones. The world is filled with the boring and the barely conscious. The misery loves company. But we don't have to live this way. Jessica and I are here to talk to those the system rejects, to radicals and thought criminals. The ones who never yawn or say a commonplace thing, but push the boundaries of acceptable discourse. Those who stare reality in the face and dare it to be different. History isn't made by the timid, and fun is not had by the perpetually afraid. We are the Mad Ones. So let's get to it. Welcome to the Mad Ones. I'm your butt-smoking baby back rib rubbing, barbecue sauce-making host Cam Harless. And with me, as always, is your lemon balm rubbing, suture tying, aloe vera and tenderness hostess, Miss Jessica Green. How you doing, Jessica? Hi, I like that one. <laughs> I, I I aim to please. Um, yes, but we have a special guest tonight. Uh, you, let me let me just introduce. I wrote down a nice introduction, so hopefully he'll enjoy this. But uh, with us tonight is a mystical man, psychonaut, podcaster, artist, cognitive liberator, past co-host of Part of the Problem, current host of Mikeadelic, and some sort of Italian. Mr. Mike Brancatelli. How you doing, Mike? Love that. Yeah, I love that very much. Thank you. Some sort. I love it. And I love how you had an Italian coffee bean commercial before. I should be. You should have sent me that, too. I would have sipped it and been like, hmm, Lanzano, that's good coffee. They are. Is that their name? Uh, no, I butchered it. I'm sorry. I just, no, no. I just, I just went with it. I just rolled with it. So thanks for having that's me, guys. That's the best way to. That's the best way to do things. Thank you for coming <laughs> on the show. Um, we kind of talked about this briefly beforehand, but I used to be a pretty avid watcher, less listener, really listener, because I, I could never, I was never going to sit at a computer and watch a podcast. It's just not really my jam. I have a TV for that now, so I mean, I'd, but. Back in the day, I would listen to the part of the, to part of the I can't fucking speak to part of the problem, and you were on there. You were the co-host, and then like I, I had some children, I changed jobs, and I couldn't really listen anymore. And the next time I go on there, it's just Dave by himself. And then like the next time, like probably a month or two later, it's some guy named Robbie the Fire. And I was like, "What the fuck happened to Mike?" <laughs> Yeah, it was a joy. <laughs> well, you know, I I have integrity. I didn't want to take money from the CIA, and you know, unfortunately, um, you know, gay Nazi Jewish uh, Dave Smith wanted to. <laughs> That's why you joined the LP. I get it now. <laughs> but yeah, no, I I was just I've always wondered uh, did did Mike get cancer? Did he die? Um, I know he has Mike Mikeadelic, but maybe he's dead and he's he's phasing his voice through the ether into someone else who's speaking for him. And I was just wondering how how have you been since the days of part of the problem? 
Oh man, yeah, I've, I've uh, it's been a it's been an up and down roller coaster through the multiverse of uh, complete psychosis and uh, enlightenment, all wrapped in a uh, paradoxical Rubik's cube. <laughs> it's yeah, I've I've been I've been to a lot of places, a lot of uh, ideas and thoughts and experiences, but overall, I'm in a really good place now. Yeah. Yeah, I heard you on uh, your show with Vin Armani the other day because some some fireworks happened on Twitter between him and Dave Smith. And what was interesting about that back and forth was like I just reading it myself, I was like, I mean, I agree with what Vin's saying. You know, like I, I don't personally understand. Like I love the Mises guys. Tomorrow we're going to have Josh Smith on the show. Um, but I don't really get the LP thing. I don't get what mm-hmm. they're trying to do. I feel like right now, I think this was the point that Vin was making was that right now we have this passport vaccine passport thing coming up. We have uh, people trying to essentially make a caste system out of people. And I feel like if, if I see that and I go, yeah, that's happening. Like I'm not going to go, Oh, I better take over the LP in a year or two or three and then become, you know, do a presidential run in three years. Like, it just seems like right now would be the time for anarchists in particular and libertarians to be like, hey, uh, why don't we build, if we're going to do political action, which is not really my jam at all, like, why wouldn't we build some coalitions with people who have the power and find some common ground and work with them to take care of what's going on right now? Did I misspeak from Vin's point of view on that? No, I think that's accurate. Yeah. Okay. Because that's what I g- gathered from it. And I was like, this wasn't mean. This just, it's, to me, it's logical. And I don't, I'm like, I don't want to be a dick, but it's like, I, I, you know, I agree. Like, but, you know, I'm probably going to get, you know, crucified for not agreeing or something at some point. But, you know, we'll get there. We'll, <laughs> we'll burn that cross once we get to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, so that that that's just an inevitability. I think anybody that speaks out uh, with their true, honest opinion about something, someone's gonna hate it somewhere. Someone's gonna roast you. You know, yeah. it's just uh, kind of the way it is. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I kind I don't know where you land in the with the political stuff now. Um, I know for me, I read a little bit of Harry Brown. Which I haven't read, like the agorist writings, because I'm not I'm not really the guy who's going to be like, hey, you need to read this, 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 and this. It's good to read all sorts of different things, but I haven't read those. I just took the the only the kind of core concept of uh, Harry Brown, which was the only person who can make you free is you, Mm -hmm. and that's what I go with because I you know I have my little tribe of children, I've got my wife, I have friends, and it's like my job is to make them free. And beyond that, I'm not there yet, so I'm not going to try to affect the rest of the world until I've grasped freedom myself, because I do think it's something you have to practice. But say all that, I'm just monologuing at this point. What do you think? <laughs> well, well, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a given, right? Like, isn't okay. that, that should be, that should be uh, like sort of a first principle, Right. Like make your bed. you have to yeah, make your bed, clean your room, take, get your house in order before you try and save the world, uh, because you really have to save your world first. If your world's in shambles, uh, then, you know, who cares? Like, what, what, what does it matter, really? If you're like letting 
personal relationships go to shit and just treating people shitty in your personal life or not really taking care of yourself and your health and and those kinds of things you know so it, i really view it as this sort of like uh real narcissistic egoic projection onto the outside world because mm. the cause the this it's so insurmountable that of course you're not going to change anything but you will uh, attract people who feel the same way that you feel, which is, mm -hmm. uh, I think, you know, coming from a place of trauma or wounds or ego or narcissism or sociopathy and, you know, be like, Hey, I'm going to go fix the world. M meanwhile, my kids and my family are dying in my house cause it's on fire. Uh, but forget about that, the world. And then other people like, yeah, the world, you're right. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, I, I kind of think that that's pretty accurate. Yeah. I think that's one of the funny things that people overlook when they talk about like Marx, for example, who had all these grand designs for how he thought uh, men could be better and that, you know, the workers would take up like this sort of mantle of communism. Meanwhile, his own wife and baby are like starving and he doesn't pay the bills. And like, that's a perfect example of someone whose house is in complete disarray, who believes that they have the prescription for what can make the world a better place. And you often kind of have to ask like, why are you trying to fix everyone else's life when like literally your wife and kid are starving? You know yeah, what I'm saying? It, totally. It's easier to deal with abstractions and it's mm -hmm. easier to deal with projections and abstractions than practical, you know, practical, right. practical can be like kind of boring sometimes to some people. And then there's like the trap of, you know, theorizing and, and being overly intellectual, right? Like you were mm -hmm. saying before, it's like, yeah, you could read all these books but like, what are you actually doing? How are you living? What are you embodying? And right. yeah, that's, it doesn't well, really work. One of, one of the things for me that I've, I have talked about a lot, um, because, you know, I, I did grow up as a Christian and so I still am, but I, you know, I, I had the, the, the growth <laughs> in that arena just to be clear. Um, but you know, when you grow up as someone who is a Christian and who is, uh, very privy to meta narratives to ideas that are outside of our own thoughts and things that are based on narrative that are based on story and morality. That's what drives with me. So like, you know, uh, theory or reading, um, Rothbard are great, but what pulled me into Dr. Paul when I started going down the libertarian path was him, uh, speaking into my sense of morality Mm -hmm. And he used story and put it was there was an, a, a speech that he did called Imagine. Mm -hmm. And the whole speech is him putting you in into the shoes of Afghanis who had the or Iraqis, whichever, and how you would feel, how you would act, how you would perceive and work if China came, China came to Texas and tried to do the same things that we've done over there. And so for me, narrative, story, morality have always been the bedrock. And so it's like, like you were talked about first principles. So I have the first principle of the golden rule. And so a lot of times I'll have conversations with people who've read, I'm not trying to make myself look great, but I've had conversations with people who've read tons of Rothbard, who've read tons of Walter Block or whatever. And they're going through all these different things. And I'm having a one-on-one peer-to-peer -on -one conversation. I've never read any of it. I'm just going, okay, so who am I hurting if I do this? Who's getting hurt? How would we come to a peaceful solution? Because those are like first principles. 
Those are the mm-hmm. things that I think are important to think through. And so I think, I don't know, I, I guess, you know, a lot of people don't know that I've read a chapter of Rothbard and would probably think not so highly on me for not reading Rothbard. Mm-hmm. But I also don't call myself a Rothbardian either <clears throat> because that's not how I, how I roll. But I, can, yeah. I feel like I can go pretty toe-to-toe with people. What do you think, Jessica? Am I retarded? <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's my... Uh... <laughs> okay, so... Yes. No, you're not retarded. <laughs> no, you're not retarded. And I, I don't think um, reading Rothbard is accessible to everybody. Like, it's it's esoteric. Economics is, is an esoteric thing, and it pretends to be a science, and it's not a science. And it's um, a way of thinking that's like delineated along all kinds of spectrums. So like you even have economists in the Austrian school who disagree with each other. So it's like, you know, congratulations on saying that you, and and I'm not like talking to you, I'm sort of like talking into the ether, but like on saying that you belong to this philosophical school of economics or that philosophical school, well, they actually kind of a lot of times blend and or you know, the, the school that you say you belong to has contradictory opinions inside of it too. So, you know, recognize that economics is a philosophy and not a science, and then don't beat yourself up for not plumbing the depths of philosophy because a lot of times it's stupid. Yeah. So yeah, sorry to be matter of fact about that, but like, seriously, like there's survival (laughs) to get to, you have to like get clean water and food and feed your children and shit. Like philosophy is something that, you know, rich people have time for, (laughs) you know what I mean? The rest of it is like, how do we interact with our fellow human beings? You don't need economic philosophy for that. You need like a basic sense of like, what will, um, what causes the greatest set of results is cooperation. And we recognize that the failures that coercion brings to the table. So we say, okay, it's better for everyone if we cooperate. It's better for everyone if we're nonviolent. We all get what we want more often if we adhere to the non-aggression principle and things like that. So it, it they make sense on a practical level. You don't have to understand them on a philo- philosophical level, if that makes sense. <laughs> Am I the only one who thinks that economics are also just boring? Yeah, boring. I mean, I was just about to say, I, I loved Murray Rothbard. I love Murray Rothbard's work still, and but I, I feel I've kind of evolved past it in a way, but not like dismissing it or negating it because it was a crucial evolutionary step. You know, I think that mm-hmm. off, so often, no matter if, it, if it's libertarianism or if it's spirituality or whatever it is, whatever path you are going down, mm-hmm. uh, it's a labyrinth. Uh, meant and and you have to be careful not to get trapped in uh, onto a uh, the top of a mountain where you plant your flag and say this is the way, you know the Mandalorian. This is the way. Like there's there's <laughs> there there are way, there are ways and you have and and so you know I was always drawn more to his uh, more philosophical work actually yeah his historical works and his more kind of his ideology and not necessarily. Um, the economic stuff. Uh, so, yeah. you know, for me, when I wrote, when I first read his his essay, Anatomy of the State, it was great. And, you know, I, I really did that yeah. thing where I just, I latched on to like all of his stuff um, and, you know, for a new liberty and then, and then on and on. Um, and it's great. I mean, it's just, I think that for people who are intellectually curious, you know, go down the path and be curious, but, 
never rest in one domain. But like mm-hmm. you said, Cam, like mm-hmm. if you have those kind of moral principles already, which is like, hey, just kind of be a good person and take care of yourself and others, you know, that that's a a pretty good place to have an anchor as a kind of moral compass. Yeah. And then, you know, roam around and, and investigate everything. And uh, I think that that's a really healthy approach. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, you know, this that's actually something that uh, Jessica has talked about before was she had read Kropotkin mm-hmm. and uh, she was talking about and she can go into this more, but she was talking about how so many people in well, in every aspect, every kind of person, every subsect of humanity. Um, but, you know, in the anarchist subsect, the, a lot of people will not read Kropotkin or Marx or any of these kind of contradictory um, thinkers, writers. And uh, she was talking about how she doesn't want to um, fence in her garden where she can't explore other areas. And so I I think that you hit on that. And it's it's like, yeah, I I haven't read Kropotkin. I downloaded it because she was. She said it, and I was like, "Okay, well, let's read some commie commie shit. Let's do it." Well, you you, you um, can you can if you downloaded it, you can just say you read it. That's fine. Yeah, that's it's, true. I can just put it up on Goodreads. Just go to the last page and put like two stars. Yeah. Before you were able to put everything you, th- I'm sorry to interrupt you. I just want to say something real quick. Before you were able to put everything you think about on the internet and place it out there for everyone around to judge. You used to have freedom to think wrongly and kind of like wander around in that space. And not that you would stay there like you were saying, Mike, you wouldn't want to stay in any one intellectual space for too long just because you would stagnate there. But you had the freedom to be wrong and you'd pick up some things from being wrong. And now you don't have that freedom. You have to walk this ideological line. If you step outside of it, you're, you're, you know, a thought criminal or whatever. And all of those wonderful nuances of your personality that you develop from being wrong, you don't, you were robbing young people of that. And, and, and that's, you know, a good portion of me understanding who I am comes from me being wrong about things more than it comes from being right. So I, I worry about that. Like, are we robbing people of identity? by by trying to give them identity. Yeah, I mean, I think the whole duality of wrong and right, it, 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 you just always end up in perpetual war. But I think that the certain platforms, like I was talking about before, like with Twitter, why I don't go on so much is because it's just not suited to who I am. I'd much rather mm-hmm. talk for three hours with, with some people over the course of like a weekend or something and and kind of get to know who they are, their story, why they see the world the way they see the world, what other influences they have besides mm-hmm. maybe just the one-dimensional political aspect or the 240-character limit kind of thing. I mean, it's it's pretty ridiculous. So it just sets you up for this kind of smackdown war, which can be fun. You know, and it can be fun to to engage in that, but doesn't really actually lead you anywhere productive. I don't think, you know, it just kind of puts you in an echo chamber, which also comes with a good feeling of being right Mm -hmm. and and being, (laughs) you know, like, hey, it's cool. I'm right. And other people think I'm right. And it feels pretty good. Yeah. So who, Mike, do you think was right that would get you kicked out of? Liberty, the Liberty verse, as I like to call it. 
who do I think was right that would get me kicked out of yeah. the Liberty verse? Who's, who's someone that you would say this person, not a, completely, but in, in one area even, that you would say this person is right, and if you posted that on Twitter, you would get crapped on for all eternity. Is there anyone well, out there that you, you can think of? Yeah, I mean, let's not like, I mean, come on. I mean, Hitler had some good ideas, but, you know, in theory, <laughs> but in practice, no. Um, <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, I don't, I, 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 I tend to try and gather a lot of what I think and feel from my own intuitive experience. And then from things that I, I read, I sort of measure that with what I feel and how I see the world and how I experience things. And then I sort of look at other things that are connecting to that landscape. Uh, and I, I, I couldn't, I can't really think of anybody off the top of my head that, that I would say, Oh, I, I think that this person's right. And other people would maybe, um, shame me for it or something like that. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, there's certainly, there's certainly positions that I, uh, take like, for example, a couple days ago, I got into a little, little uh, Twitter squabble with this comedian, Shane Moss, um, mm. who I've actually had on my podcast a couple of times and we have, I guess, been friendly. But he tweeted something out about like what anti-vaxxers don't seem to comprehend is that you're being selfish and it affects all of us. And I just was like, all right, well, I'm not like a anti-vaxxer, but I'm just going to go in the, into this because I think this, this tweet that he just made is insane. Um, mm -hmm. And I just said, yeah. what pro-vaxxers don't seem to understand is that there's something called bodily sovereignty. And <laughs> we have the choice, what we choose to put in our body, just like we don't want to be arrested for uh, psychedelics or cannabis and thrown in a cage. We also uh, want to have the right to say no to putting something in our body. Uh, right. So it goes both ways. You know, the, it's a, in the psychedelic world, it's more palatable to talk about cognitive liberty than libertarianism. And so I'll sometimes use cognitive liberty to, to talk about that kind of stuff. But uh, but there's a huge backlash uh, from people when you talk about these taboo subjects, whether it be vaccines or abortion or you know any of these things, religion, or, you know. And, and so yeah. that I feel is, I mean, that's uh, you know, I, I guess Jordan Peterson would 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 say like we you know we ha we have to be able to you know debate it out and you know like <laughs> figure it. And it's like yeah, I mean sometimes, but also you know sometimes it's just uh i don't know i i have a feeling that we're we're headed towards like a um you know d uh, we we have to be headed towards so some sort of like digital techno sort of um decentralized kind of tribal society I because hope so. it's just we're not all i hope so too <laughs> i really i hope so but it's just like we're not all going to agree and we don't have to all right. agree we don't have to all agree you know <clears throat> That's the idea of we the people is forcing everybody into a consensus about something based on like a distribution curve. That's a terrible way to make choices. Like mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I wouldn't even order a pizza based on that principle. So yeah, I love I love this meme that's like uh, there's a. Uh, uh, five people in the meme and then it says four out of five citizens love democracy and they're beating the guy on the ground. And yeah, yeah it's like... <laughs> Well, what I love is when uh, I was uh, when I was in college, there was this guy that oh, not in college, it was at, at a job after college, and we were having it was in 2015, and uh, we were sitting there, and this guy was like an anarchist, and I was still not, I was still in my 
Ron Paul phase. And so I wasn't calling myself an anarchist or um, anything. I, I was essentially, but I wasn't calling myself that at that point. And he sits there and we're sitting around the table at lunch. And there's this, this poor woman who was put at the wrong table, just sat down at the wrong table with the wrong people. And we're just kind of talking about anarchy and stuff. And this woman comes in. She's like, well, you know, as long as it's democratic, I'm fine with that. And uh, this guy, his name was Uriah. And he turns and he goes, nine out of ten people love a gangbang. And this girl <laughs> just stops and goes, what? He goes, that's democracy. I was like, oh, oh, okay. I don't know if that's going to win hearts and minds. <laughs> no, no, it's not. No. <laughs> but but inter- like externally, I was like, what the hell? But internally, I was like, holy shit. That was not the joke wasn't as funny as the fact that that dude, that autistic ass dude sat there and said that as if it was a good point. And I laughed to myself occasionally thinking about his face, his very serious face and her like horror at him saying that. <laughs> <laughs> he should have followed so, it up with and it's not the person you think <laughs> <laughs> that's going in the tight five um yeah. so thank you here's here is one of the things that was interesting i didn't get to watch all of the your episode with vin yet i started it but i, I have so much going on i'm sorry yeah. i'm a bad i'm a bad mycadelic fan i'm sorry um no. But he Those did talk a lot about <laughs> he did he did talk a lot about Orthodox Christianity, and uh, I was curious. By the end of the episode, did he convince you to become an Orthodox Christian? Uh, I'll say this: I fell asleep that night with uh, earbuds in my ear, playing uh, the channel that he recommended on YouTube of of Orthodox Christian. Uh, priest I don't, what are they called i don't know uh, uh this guy i think his name's peter hers and i was like this is i want to i want to know more about this you know um i mean i could have said like hey fuck that you know my way is the right yeah. way and uh you know <laughs> murray rothbard forever but uh, i'm like <laughs> i'm like yeah i'm i'm, I'm curious you know the, i always find it to be really amazing uh, that someone will tell me about something that I haven't heard of. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but mm-hmm. there's this sort of stupid thing in my brain where I just think, well, yeah, I mean, you know, Christianity, Catholicism, Judaism, Buddhism, Hinduism, like, I get it. You know, I, I'm kind of familiar. Um, yes. But the, the, I guess it was just his approach, the way that he was talking about it to me. Uh, has really opened my mind to it, you know. Um, so yeah, I'm 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 interested in learning a lot more about it. It's uh, very interesting to me. A thought yeah, that haven't... strikes me as you're saying that you're like, um, it's ridiculous to think that you haven't thought of things. <laughs> yeah. But I I think that if the, if we really sat down and thought about how much we don't know, it might drive us mad, and like we wouldn't yeah. be able to function in the world. It's like it's not ridiculous, of course. Like you have to be able to like function so that's not silly at all yeah no i mean it happens all the time too like someone will bring up like a band or a song and be like you never heard that before and i'm like dude i love music and you're telling me that there's something i didn't know from like 90s grunge that i need to be aware of like are you kidding me how could i not be aware of that like i love that stuff so uh yeah i mean you know i there's a lot of things that we don't know but i've spent so much time 
trying to know all the things and it does just drive yeah. you mad you know mm-hmm. we're i mean we're right. never going to we're never going to know all the things so it's right. it's ludicrous to think that but but i would say that it's like this sort of malcolm gladwell's sort of principle of like blink judgment sort of like we can only handle so much so it's like you just see something and you go oh well that must be that and i don't really care enough to dig into it so i'll just move on to the next thing you know Right. A lot of these books behind me are theoretical physics books. And I don't tell you that to suggest that I've read them. Um, my husband has. They're just he's for phys- show. Oh. <laughs> he's, no, he's a physicist. My husband's a physicist. Oh, cool. And, um, he'll tell you that most of those books tell you, I don't know, there's a lot of questions. Yeah. And these are the people studying the fundamentals. And it just, every question they answer opens up thousands more. And I think that that's fascinating. Yeah, and I, I love that's been the message from the you know the people that are really enthusiastic about science and uh, you know medical health. They they say, hey, we, we don't know, you know, um, except for yeah. the people that that are saying trust the science and shut up. Yeah, so those, those, those are suspect people. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> well, yeah, and that's that's um, the kind of the beauty of like Socrates is said to have said uh, that all that I know is that I know nothing. Which is a humility at the at the base of knowledge, at the base of wisdom, learning, etc. And that's one of those things that when I heard that phrase, it stuck with me. And so when I, because I actually have a degree in biblical studies, so that's like my that's that's my jam. Um, but what I found is as I've studied, I keep coming across um, what it would, I forget who called it this, but unknown unknowns. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, so it's, I, it's mm-hmm. I, right. Yeah, I, I know it's popularized by Donald Rumsfeld, but I don't know where he got that from because he certainly didn't make it. Up. <laughs> it was it was it was not Donald Rumsfeld. I got it from, but yeah, no. But the the, the concept of there are things that you don't know and you don't even know that you don't know, um, right. and so it's always those are always fascinating to me. One of those for me, I I, I do want to circle back to this in a bit, but the most recent one for me was um, within Christianity, there is the concept, a lot of concepts that are missed in the reading of the Bible because of the lack of knowledge of who they were written to and what they were saying. So we miss what they were saying because we aren't the people who they were being written to. We don't have the same body of knowledge, body of belief, etc. And so for me, one of the more interesting things about that was is the kind of the concept of, uh, well, I'll just basically call them interdimensional beings. But the idea of the sons of God and watchers and and how they viewed like the spiritual realm and angelology and all of that, that's just if you talk to your regular everyday Christian, they're going to have no idea what you're talking about. And so that's been one of my my fun things that I've been reading through over the past year or so. Um, Cool. But here's my question for you. Besides. Vin Armani and Orthodox Christianity. Have there been any unknown unknowns that you've come across since the, your days at part of the problem that you think are interesting enough and uh, fascinating enough, I guess, to want to share with people who may also not know them? Is there anything oh, yeah. that really stuck I, out to you? Totally. I mean, uh, the entire... The entire direct experience that psychedelics provide, you, you, there, it's always going to be different every time, and I don't know what's in there that I am 
unaware that I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's like I, it's it's really truly going into the unknown, and the best way to to do that is completely surrender to that. And then I would say, kind of in relation to that, sort of um, you know, like hermeticism, um, Gnosticism. You know, uh, just uh, and and the Gospel of Thomas. I didn't know that that was. I didn't know that that existed. Um, yeah, yeah. A lot, uh, there's a there's a lot, uh, really. <laughs> I mean, yeah, quite quite a bit. Uh, one of the things I wanted to say to you was um, our friend Maddie. They do a show called The Voluntary Vixens that I edit each week, and so I had asked her because she's a big fan of of yours. And she's, she had said that um, you actually inspired her to take yoga classes and to become a yogi. Uh, oh, cool. And so you going through, I don't know if it was through uh, your show or on part of the problem, but that was, <clears throat> you actually talked her into becoming a voluntary vinyasa. <laughs> Oh, amazing. Well, I don't know how I did that, but if it's working out for you and uh, you love it, great. I'll take the credit for it. Thanks. Yeah. But one of the questions I've, cause I seeing as I grew up in a Christian world and you know, like I've, I've, and I also grew up charismatic. So that those are the people who um, kind of seek after the, the more tangible manifestations of God. So the gifts of the spirit, stuff like that. So I've never really had to do psychedelics to kind of get in those kind of like what Vin was talking about, those kind of places where you're in a deep place of prayer and you're, you know, experiencing different stuff. But uh, it was mentioned to me. Well, this is me circling back. Um, so one of the things that's talked about a lot when it comes to psychedelics, particularly like ayahuasca and DMT are the light beings or the clockwork elves or whatever else you want to call them. So I, from a place of absolute ignorance, I'm curious. I know you've done ayahuasca. I, I believe you, did you do it with a shaman? Yeah. I lived in the Peruvian Amazon for six months, uh, yeah, with working with multiple healers down there. Yeah. I would love to hear about that. I would love to hear some of what you experienced, especially in that kind of, um, more metaphysical realm because that that's fascinating to me because you know I just know the the Jesus and the Holy Spirit stuff and so having the clockwork elves yeah. or any of those things is fascinating I want to hear about it so mm -hmm. if you'd be willing I'd love to hear you talk about that yeah sure well I guess uh, I'll tell you about one of my most like uh, I guess religious experiences if we want to call it that or I'll call it like a spiritual experience but. Um, I had, I had an experience where pretty early on when I was drinking ayahuasca in ceremony, uh, where I really was feeling a whole lot of energy running through my body. Now, usually people are laying down on their mats. Every ceremony we would lay down on our mats and be about 20 people in the room. And there's, uh, the Shipibo shamans, I'll call them just for, um, you know, so people understand what I'm talking about. We'll, we'll call them the healers, uh, but they will sing their ikaros, their songs, the songs that they say that mm -hmm. they learn from the plants, from consuming uh, the brew. Um, and they're really sort of like these, the songs are like these energetic tools almost to kind of work with your energy grid. If you, um, 
you know, so to speak, and they uh, will go around, they'll sing. So this particular ceremony, I was really, I don't know, struck with the Holy Spirit, let's just say. Like I was really, <laughs> I really just had like a lot of energy come up in running through me. So while everyone is laying on their mats, maybe puking or crying or whatever they're doing, uh, I was like kind of convulsing, standing up, shaking. Uh, and I started mm. speaking sing songy type words like ya, sha, ka, ra, ka, ya. And like, I didn't know what was coming out of my mouth or anything. Um, later found out that a lot of it correlated to Sanskrit words, uh, which was mm. really interesting because I didn't know anything about Sanskrit at all. Um, so I had no like prior knowledge of that, you know, cause I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, skeptical too and 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 i'm like okay well is this just because i've been i've picked something up along the years and it's like in the recesses of my unconscious and it's mm-hmm. you know coloring itself through this like metaphorical lens uh but it i didn't seem to to think that way with this and uh i just felt this tremendous energy and then all of a sudden i saw jesus as i've kind of known him to be so this kind of was mm-hmm. more of that projection of like something internal that I've internalized Mm -hmm. and he was in front of me and then, uh, Buddha was here and they kind of like came in and converged and then everything just exploded into white. And I felt the most euphoric feeling I've ever felt in my life. And then I was just gone. I just, I wasn't here anymore. I had a non dual transcendental experience, kind of a unifying with like everything that ever was and will be like no time, no space, no me, um, and, uh, cosmic apotheosis. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I love that. Yeah. And, um, and so then like the, the ceremony continued, I, I was worked on by, by some of the shamans who kind of were t- helping me work the energy and everything and ground it. And they were asking me to channel it into the room. And I had been looking around at everybody who was participating in the ceremony with me and just, I was like, my interpretation of grounding it into the room was like moving this energy through. And I was like, okay, these people are struggling. They're going through challenges. Like I'm going to send them love. I'm going to send them energy. And that is what I was thinking in my mind. And it kind of like manifested in my visual space. Um, something weird about that was that the next day people had told me that they had like witnessed that. So it wasn't just that I was seeing it. There was a woman sitting next to me that said when she looked over, she just saw a bright ball of white light. And I was like, we're like where I was standing or sitting. So I'm like, okay, that's weird. Uh, And other people had mentioned similar kinds of things. And I just, I didn't know what to make of it. So much so that it left me like in shambles. Like I was like completely Mm -hmm. depressed actually after, like not like initially after, well, sort of initially afterward, because it was just such a powerful, profound experience that I went to the infinite formless and then I came back to form. And then everybody talked about these kind of supernatural things that they had witnessed from me when there was no possible way that they could have known or seen what I was experiencing. Uh, and it just left me like dumbfounded. Like, I just was like, I don't understand, like, how am I supposed to go back to like my life, like, you know, how am I supposed to go back to yeah. like paying taxes now? Well, I never <laughs> did that anyway. So no, <laughs> but I'm like, how do I go back to like regular three dimensional meat suit reality when I right. just experienced this incredible thing? Um, so that was, that was, that started the whole journey. 
2016. And then sort of when I went back to New York, I had a sort of what they would call in the spiritual community, like a dark night of the soul, which is like a just I, I, I couldn't I couldn't understand why everything in my life was just kind of falling apart and why I was in shambles. And um, it was just a lot of these things that I was doing just wasn't really serving me. And it was a kind of a messy, chaotic growth period um, mm -hmm. that left me kind of like pretty wrecked for a little while. I mean, that was about the, that was right around the time actually that I left part of the problem. Um, okay. And like and like I mentioned, like I I didn't really do it in the best way. I, I was pretty like unstable and and just like completely blasted open and um, didn't know what was what. I had like no solid ground to stand on. I was just like a complete mess. But then I eventually got it back together and uh, decided to go back, go back to Peru <laughs> for more, uh, more gotcha. ayahuasca. Yeah. Um, have you ever heard of a guy named Wiley Brooks? No. Okay. So I'm not trying, I'm not trying to make light of anything. Um, but when I was working at a company that sold like website and uh, data security things, one of the per people who had sent in for information was a guy named Wiley Brooks. And uh, <laughs> I talked to him on the phone briefly and he told me that he was a breatharian. Have you ever heard of breatharian <laughs> breatharianism? Oh yeah, I, have, I haven't heard of it, but I, I think I Sorry. could guess maybe what it is. But yeah. you would you would think you could guess, okay? Um, but th there's some some wild turns that you will not you will not expect. Uh, but yeah, this this <laughs> this old man uh, named Wiley Brooks, um, he <laughs> he uh, he says he claims to be a breatharian, so he doesn't eat anything but air. And he said, he said he's uh, he's a teacher from fifth dimensional worlds. Yeah. And I was just like, okay, so you're alive, and you're not dead. You are skinny, but like you know, you're not dead. So obviously, you've eaten something. And he goes, yeah, I, yeah, I, I've eaten, I've eaten something, but I only eat fifth dimensional foods. And I was like, okay, so what is a fifth dimensional food? And I shit you not, Mike. This guy looks at me and he says, or didn't look at me. I was on the phone, but you know, like he yeah. looked at me and he told me that fifth dimensional food to get it. You have to go to McDonald's and you have to get a double quarter pounder with cheese and a diet Coke. And that is fifth dimensional food. And it's not eating because that's just eating air <laughs> <laughs> wow that is that is wild i mean maybe there's something to that maybe because mcdonald's isn't really food so <laughs> i mean you know? that, that much is true <laughs> but it was so funny because i was like okay so how did you how did you land on this and this fifth yeah. dimensional food and he was like well you know in past lives i've been adam zeus uh jesus joshua elijah john the baptist saint francis of assisi uh I actually pulled up the list because uh, I wrote it down. Yeah. Because I was like, what are you doing, dude? Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, Kuth Muthi, Balthazar, King of Syria, Mughal, Emperor Shah Jahan, Mahal and Agra, uh, Joseph Smith. So he was the guy who started Mormonism. 
and oh, cool. William Mulholland. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's always uh yeah, sounds like he's in a little bit of a delusion trap to say the least. <laughs> but uh but it's always it's always prominent figures, right? Like Right. in a past life I was Zeus. I was I was right. uh, you know, I was I was the An I was ancient King Egyptian. Henry. Yeah. Well, I had it right. uh I actually Okay, so this actually kind of messed me up for a little bit because, like this breatharian guy, I had an extremely powerful uh, ceremony where I felt like I was literally back in ancient Egypt, uh, and I had this in, in crazy story play out. Um, Were you hanging out with the hoteps? Okay, so I just spoke with uh, uh, Br- uh, Brian today, actually, and and uh, um, I, I want to I, th- I want to do a podcast with him because I think he would really appreciate this story. Um, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was pretty powerful, but, uh, but yeah, that's the thing is like when you, when you attach to these things, you know, that, that's, uh, that can get you just, you know, eating quarter pounder or what is it? Double, <laughs> double quarter, quarter pounders, pounders, double quarter right? pounders. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then that, and then you're just insane. You know? Well, what my favorite part about it was he was, he was two very famous piece, people from the Bible. Well, three, but two that were alive at this exact same time. And I was just like. This is an interesting, this is interesting to me. Yeah. <laughs> when my mom got her DNA thing done for like 23 and me or whatever, I, I don't know if it was that one, but she got that thing done. They sent her something that said she was related to Cleopatra. And then she called me and she tells me this and I'm like, mom, you know, they send everyone a piece of paper that says they're related to Cleopatra, right? <laughs> like there's, that's not yeah pretty much there were only like eight humans on the planet during that time you're related (laughs) to one of them (laughs) yeah Uh, it's like uh, hello we all are thank you i'm related i'm related to genghis khan yeah that's what i was about to say everyone's related to genghis khan isn't right so i actually i when you said breath breatharian i thought you were talking about these other people I, i looked them up they're actually called the angelic initiative I don't know if you're aware of them, but it's this mother-daughter team. And um, I can send you a video to put up real quick if you'd like. These gals are a lot of fun. They communicate. You know who I'm talking about. I think I know. Is it like the energy people or something? Oh, this is a great – this is a funny video. This is a good one. So I sent you the video. Um, It's – I don't know how to put videos up, Cam. I'm sorry. You're good. <laughs> oh, my God. I love this. I'm so happy you sent me that. It is hilarious. These people are insane. We live in a world of cults. We always have. For yes. Well, and this is you know? a really fun one. I'm a this big This is a great fan. one. Yeah. Yeah. If I can get nice. it to come up. All right. Here we go. I love. Uh, oh, I don't hear any sound. I don't but hear I love, any sound. Oh, it's not working. She there's a video, and it might not be this one, but there's one where okay, so the woman in white she kind of leads the thing, and then the yes. girl in blue is just like, yeah, yeah. That's her daughter. Yeah. She and all goes, she does mm, is yeah. agree with her mom. She goes, "That's so right. true. So true. That's right." Her mom goes, yeah. "I'm getting. I'm getting. This angel is telling me that whatever it is, the thing." And then the daughter always goes, that's right. Like she that's heard right. it too. But it's right. clear that she, 
I'll let them speak for themselves. Hi, friends. In Planet Earth Dating, it's Sunday, November 6, 2016. In the Lynn Life and the Jamie Body Mind, the authorized souls continue to be only child souls from the smaller subatomic, and the intrusions from above continue. That's true. <laughs> above true. meaning that that's true. larger and less dense levels. What is going on with her? That's true. We're going to go with the foundational assignment, which wow. is to do what is ours to do right now in all dimensions to manifest the divine plan, since that's what our soul contracts commit us to doing. And with that, the formally videoed portions of today's efforts begin. Speaking to the grass right here in our filming location, what we're doing right now is we're pulling out trauma threads that are messing us up in our own lives, in our own experiences of sentience. And this particular thread, which is really common, goes way, way back, multiple lifetimes, many lifetimes along the strand of incarnations of this particular presence. And so it's likely that you have this too, because we all have stuff that's messing us up. We all have these weird, cloggy tangles, and they come with us life to life. They travel with us as we travel. There we go. And I feel nodding feelings from that's the grass true. too. And so that's true. if we're taking it as our working theory that we all have this stuff, would you like to do this exercise with us and pull out your own trauma strands, pull out your own yes. problems that are choking you? Yeah, it's. <laughs> what if i just pulled a demon out like <laughs> that is the most i've ever heard the daughter say most of the time yeah that's the most that's right that's true that's, that's right true. yeah that's and her true. facial expression she's like <gasps> yeah so so have you have you pulled any uh have you done any heroic doses of dmt uh i would say yes to that uh and um but I would say that they would they came in the form of ayahuasca. I, I, okay. I I, I guess a, I don't really know what a heroic dose of DMT would be. I mean, I've I've done DMT very very small uh, amounts. Well, let me ask you because I did DMT with a bunch of people, and we all had very similar experiences. Like we saw the same like patterns that kind of become a room and then the room becomes like a tunnel and you go down and then eventually there's some light beings down there. I didn't know until literally like five minutes before we started recording that pe some people call them clockwork elves. I had no idea. All I know is they scared the hell out of me and I didn't ever want to go back there again. Mm. Um, other people are like, let's do more and go back and talk to these things. But whatever they tell you, you can't seem to remember it when you come back. At mm. least that was the experience that I had. But this was only this group of like five people doing it in that room together. So I don't necessarily know that everybody has that same experience. But it seems like and I was looking at your artwork, actually. And I, the first thing I thought is this dude has definitely done some DMT because that's the pattern. Like, Yeah. Well, yeah. So, I mean, I have done it a couple of times, but I, I don't really prefer it just because of how quick it is and, mm -hmm. and how it, it's like getting shot at. Like it's getting shot out of a cannon. Like I really I, I really uh, like the kind of long ritual and the ceremonial mm -hmm. aspect of really mm -hmm. high dose experiences. Mike Cernovich okay. is also a big fan of ayahuasca. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. Like, that, that was something that about him. 
Yeah, that's something I noticed on Twitter because he gets people when he's like asking me anything, people are like, tell me about ayahuasca. And he's like, you have to do it with a shaman. You have to do it in this place, you know. And I was because it, it, it surprised me, too, because it was like Mike Cernovich does not look like the guy that that goes down and has a shaman do an ayahuasca ritual with him. Like it just blew my mind. Yeah, but he, he highly recommends it. Yeah, I think it's I think it's great medicine, uh, you know, for the right people. I always, you know, say use your own like intuition if this is right for you, if you feel called to it, you know, practice discernment, yeah. be safe, be responsible, do your research, that sort of thing. Uh, but yeah, I really have been working with like high dose mushroom uh, experiences, which uh, mushrooms, DMT, ayahuasca, they're part of the tryptamine family are very similar and i get uh, a, a very dmt type experience on high doses of psilocybin mushrooms for a have long you met, periods of time have you met the clockwork elves so the thing with the clockwork elves is that is something that i think terence mckenna popularized uh and yeah. then and more recently i guess alex jones with his like you know they're talking to the clockwork elves and they're smoking dmt and hey you know, that. that's good <laughs> yeah i just yeah. want to see a video of um alex jones doing dmt with um, <laughs> uh, donald john trump i would love it thank you want to see that <laughs> yeah Nobody nobody breaks through like I break through, but okay, I see all the fractals. I talk to the elves, we make terrific deals with the elves. <laughs> oh my god. It's it would either be really fun or really terrible because uh Donald Trump claims that he's never done drugs at all. Yeah. So those yeah, people okay. tend to freak the fuck out. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. Might be terrible. Can I just mention that Hunter Biden said that he smoked parmesan cheese probably yeah. did you hear about that mike well i mean yeah i mean he's a he's a <laughs> he was a drug addict right so and he was yeah. smoking crack and so yeah i'm not surprised I mean, <laughs> smoke all kinds of things just to get a fix the question is did the parmesan cheese get him high what oh, kind of high was it <laughs> that would have been that would have been great if he just smoked the parmesan cheese and broke through to a dmt dimension but it's all just like <laughs> like mustache like pizza guys like hey we, we got sauce over here yeah <laughs> no one would ever know <laughs> like was oh, it profound yeah. what did they say they said it's Mama delivery Mia. not DiGiorno. yeah <laughs> <laughs> It's a me, Mario. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's what's I love the world we live in right now because there are apps that if you wanted to uh I'm I, I won't tell you where to find it because I was sworn to secrecy about this, but there is an app out there that's AI that you can take any person you want. So like Alex Jones, and then it'll run through and make him naked. Hmm. But it only makes women's bodies. And so you would make a tranny Alex Jones. Oh, wow. <laughs> awesome. And if, and if that's not something you want to see, I don't, I don't know why you're living. It's the work of Satan. It's the work of the devil. Yeah. It is, so, though. That's so true. one of the, one of the fun things is that over yeah. the time that I've done a podcast, Alex Jones keeps getting proven right. Yeah, over and over again, yeah. and uh, that is, and that's something that I said because I remember one of the early episodes was when he was right after he was on um, 
uh, Joe Rogan, I think the second time. And he was talking about uh, mice. No, no. Was it pig or mice human hybrids? Pig. And he, but he had mentioned, he, I think he'd mentioned mice. And so we, we talked about it and I went and I searched for some of the different things that he said. And like everything that I searched there, I could find. And it was like verifiable Mm -hmm. stuff. And so it's one of those things that I've said time and again, if Alex Jones is 10% correct about all of the things he says, this reality is horrifying. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I think, I mean, he, I think he is, you know, I remember being on uh, part of the problem and Dave said something that was really great. Uh, yeah. They're, they're turning the Alex Jones. Okay. Um, but, uh, Dave, Dave said, Dave Smith said something really great that I, that I completely agree with. He said, if all like the information of the world to be revealed, I mean, this is a complete no brainer now, but back in, I guess, I don't know when he said it, 2014 or 2015, he goes, uh, if all of the sort of hidden truths and secrets were to be revealed, that the world would line up more towards the Alex Jones perspective than towards the CNN perspective. And like <laughs> no I said, ov- obviously that's like true now. But at the time, I was like, yeah, that's wow. Yeah, totally. I'm on board with that. So, you know, I mean, Alex Jones is, a ma- is I think he's just one of these guys that is just just such a maniac. He's he's definitely intelligent. Uh, but he's also just taking in so much. Like if you spend all your time, you know, f- trying to figure out what DARPA is doing and what, you know, the CIA is up to and declassified documents and this and that, your brain is going to melt a little bit and you're going to start mm-hmm. just taking in all the all the stuff. So uh, it's, it's a hard position to live in, I think, yeah. uh, you know, for him. Well, and that's that's what's. And and he, this is the guy. It's it. Alex Jones is interesting because I think he's right a lot, and I think that part. And he's even said this. He was on um, what's his name, Andrew Schultz. His, oh yeah. Oh, that was show. wild. Yeah. Um, and he was talking about um, about how Alex Jones is like, yeah, I think I've been used. I think I've been used by the globalists, and it's like, oh really? Because a lot of people will say he's a spook, and he's like, I think they've used me at certain points, but that I'm not working for them and I've, I've, I've made them very angry and it's like, Oh shit, you know, you're right. The, some of these people probably leak information to Alex Jones so that he says it. And other people think that he's crazy. It was kind of mm-hmm. like, you know, in what 20, a couple of years ago when I was, when the Q stuff started really going up, I was like, this is a spook guys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is a psyop. And I, I was talking mm-hmm. to uh, Monica Perez about it. And I was like, this is a psyop. And she was like, oh, you know, I don't know what they're doing. And I mean, she's very smart. And she, you know, she was like, they're doing something. She knew they were doing something. But I was like, this is a psyop. And then like several months later, when everyone started calling anyone who questioned like the child trafficking that happens very clearly and somewhat openly in America, they started being called Q people and QAnon. So it, I think, and I also hold this view about Flat Earth. I think that these were things that were put into the consciousness to convince certain people and make them, you know, drum them up, drive them crazy. So that when people, well, for Flat Earth, I think it was just for conspiracy theorists. So that if you question the official narrative, people are like, oh, let me guess the Earth is flat. Mm-hmm, and, but with mm-hmm. QAnon, I think it was a very pointed thing to make it so that when you start talking about the uh, Franklin cover up, 
or you start talking about uh, Epstein's Island, how much very little Epstein and Jelaine Maxwell were both caught and still most people kind of act like it didn't happen except for the meme that he didn't kill himself. Right. right. Yeah. And I, I mean, it, yeah. Oh yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just gonna say, I think if it weren't for the QAnon thing and for that psyop, we'd be talking about it more. Totally. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I mean, that is the, that is the main aim of the intelligence, you know, community and disinformation campaigns is to ridicule, dismiss, uh, and and conflate everything in one group in the perception of other people, so they could just dismiss you and ridicule you. I mean, this literally happened to me the other day, right? So I was questioning things with uh, vaccines with uh, Shane Moss, and he's like, you know, hey man, what the psychedelic movement needs, uh, what you know, the psychedelic movement d- definitely doesn't need another Q shaman right now. You know, so you, you like cool it. So I'm like, oh, okay, you're just lumping me into that category because it's easier for you to understand my perspective if you just dismiss me and lump me into right. the, the Q category, right? Mm-hmm. But it's like a- any, whether it's like a disinformation psyop, like from the start, or it gets co opted and used as that from the outside. It, whether it's within or without, it's it's we live in this age right now where anything can be twisted and turned and used to any used to the advantage of people in power with agendas that want to, mm-hmm. you know, shift things in particular ways. So yeah, hundred percent. And you know, it's, it's crazy. It's always been so crazy to me that the word truth got tarnished, like to say yeah. that you're a tr- Oh, I'm a, tr- are you a truther? Oh, do you mean like, I like to find the truth? Like, yes, then, right. then yes. So it's like, they twist, they turn, they manipulate even like, uh, I save the children, for example, like if I were to tweet out something like we need to save the children, you know, children are shouldn't be wearing these masks and staying inside. They need to be social. Save the children. Oh, you're Q. You're Q. I mean, Marvin Gaye had a song called Save the Children. Like, is is he Q? We have to go back and find an old tweet from Marvin Gaye in the 70s and say he's Q. Like, it's just so it's 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 complete insanity. It's madness. And I think. This is the perfect show, the mad ones. I think the the only <laughs> the only way to combat madness is with more madness. Yeah, absolutely. Um, did, on that, did you see that um, Steakums, yes, the meat plank company, just bitch slapped uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson the other day. Yeah. <laughs> they got it him. Was, it was so good. Because, yeah. you know, you you expect some woke bullshit out of corporations and especially Stakem. Like, first off, I never expected to see a Stakem's Twitter account. Like, that's just something that, <laughs> you know, I I didn't have a Stakem until I was like 24 or something. Like, I didn't know it existed. Right. And Neil deGrasse Tyson, it's in, it, he I think he's tweeted this before. It's like one of his stupid sayings. He said, the good thing about science is that it's true, whether you believe it or not. And Stakem just goes, log off, bro. Yeah. And, <laughs> and uh, so this guy, the Stakem guy, whoever he is, um, uh, someone responded and said, you must have changed social media personnel. And Stakem said, nope, science itself, science itself isn't true. It's a constantly refining process used to uncover truths based in material reality. And that process is still full of mistakes. When yep. the mistakes had the word stake in it. Um, uh, Neil just posted Amazing. <laughs> sound bites like this for clout, and he has no respect for epistemology. 
Nope. <laughs> what the hell? Got him. Steakums got him. Yeah, throw them on the grill and mm-hmm. onto a hoagie with some hot mm-hmm. cheese. You got served. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go buy some steakums right now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Put them next to those beans that they told you not to They buy. got my attention, you know. <laughs> What have I been doing cooking this grass-fed real beef? I'm going to go get some steakums. Yeah. Why have I been hunting my own It infuriates me that he calls himself like the, or he placed himself in the role of the uh, heir of Carl Sagan. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if if you had seen Carl Sagan's old series, Cosmos, from the 1970s, he takes great pains to elaborate the fact that science is wrong most of the time. All of the science that we understand right now, as impressive as it is, most of it is wrong. And that's what anybody, any high level theoretical physicist will tell you. And so please be suspicious of people who walk around trying to make science into a faith. It is not a faith system. It's a tool no different than a hammer or a ruler. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You can measure things with tools, but that's not going to tell you what the thing is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's scientism is what that would be. Right. It's uh, the, uh, this great book that I love by Rupert Sheldrake, who is a psychedelic Christian um, mystic. And he uh, wrote a book called The Science Delusion, uh, dispelling the, the dogmas of, of science. However, it was changed. That was he's British. So the UK title was that. And they changed it as publishers changed the American title for, to uh, to be called Science Set Free. Right. So it's like the, even that there's just this. The, yeah. You got to have the the powerful hierarchy of the scientism uh, religion if you're going to be doing the things that the state and its, you know, crony uh, establishment do. Right. In the in the name of science. Yeah, absolutely. They've turned the white coat into the new priest cassock. Yeah. And that is that is uh, a deadly detriment to the future of humankind if we allow that to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and and that's that's one of those things is I've always talked about because, like, you know, I grew up a Christian. And so I've always respected and loved science, but I always um, viewed it as a tool. I viewed it as humans desperately trying to understand everything around them. And so within that, there's human beings who are flawed and incapable of by themselves um, reaching and touching the infinite like they can't you just natural man isn't going to just one day be able to go you know what and see everything like there's there's that's just not how it works we we see through a glass darkly we see things through our lens and so it's it's always been funny it's always nice to meet someone including steakums who (laughs) who takes the position that I, you know, I've had for years, which was, why are you talking about science as if it's the truth when mm-hmm. science is merely a tool to, and I would say not even necessarily to um, suss out truth as much as fact, like, because yeah. truth is a, is a moral claim, right? Science is about amassing and verifying facts, not even truth. You can't get truth out of the physical world. In this, in the way they try to, if that makes sense, I would say the physical world isn't is an evidence of something greater, but I would say trying to suss out ultimate truth from looking at rocks is not going to get you very far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
Yeah, and 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 and, and we can uh, th- we can only use it to through our already biased human lenses to right. measure the things that we can see and that we can touch. Everything else is just theoretical. Yeah. Right? It's like I mean there's good theories out there. Uh, but maybe we'll, maybe we should start calling them conspiracy theories. I don't know. <laughs> you know. <laughs> okay, so what is your favorite conspiracy theory? And by that, I don't mean like actual dark, real conspiracy that happened. I mean, yeah. what's the conspiracy Fun. theory that makes you laugh or you just enjoy thinking about? Oh, yeah. Oh, cool. Um, oh, uh, which one do I... My thinking about. I will I, I will say just real quickly the first story that made me question the official narrative I've said this many times was Kurt Cobain's death that was the first time that I ever questioned the official narrative because you know that bitch did it mm. <laughs> yeah 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 totally well I mean what about the OJ Simpson trial right I mean that and that was like right in our face yeah. It was like it's like literally right in our face. I think that was the birth of the the sort of modern era that we live in now that was that led to this sort of like reality TV commercialized sort of you know kind of environment. But and it was like right in front of our face. So I don't even know if that that counts or whatever. But but I I don't know. I mean I like I like uh, oh I love this uh, troll account called Birds Aren't Real. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, so that that might not fit your the category because I don't think anyone actually believes that. But uh, <laughs> I just love it. I love it so much. Uh, they went. Ronald they went Reagan all in. All the birds killed. <laughs> yeah, like all the birds are replaced <laughs> with robots, and they have been. Like, wake up, your sheep. Like, and I just, I just love that kind of stuff. But I don't know. I guess I would say that uh, that 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 maybe like the the. The reptilian thing mm. like that that's that's fun i like i think it's fun like anything with like aliens or stuff like that i think is is fun because i'm like i'm there's i'm like kind of open to it too well and and that's what's funny is because um the reptilian one is fun for me because i totally believe it but not in the way they talk about it mm. Yeah. Because, you know, I, I kind of mentioned somewhat the idea of the interdimensional beings that are mentioned in the Bible, like the sons yeah. of God and the like the the Nephilim being a direct descendant of those beings with humans. Um, <clears throat> but if you look at the the first well, first story of the Bible, you know, God creates the earth, puts the people there. And then what is it that talks to Eve? What is it that comes in and tries to deceive her? Yeah, a serpent, snake, right? Yeah. Yeah. And what's interesting is the the word they use for serpent there, a lot of people have taken it to mean like burning ones or whatever. But the word actually is the same word uh, that's used for seraph, which is an, an a angelic being that would be in heaven, but that looks like a serpent. And so the concept from the Christian and the Second Temple Jewish mind view mindset worldview, it's not a crazy thing to think that there are reptilian beings influencing our world. Mm, and so yeah. you may think I'm crazy, 
But there you go. <laughs> I, I I don't think you're crazy. I, I, I like that a lot. I, I tend to tend to lean more in that direction of being open to that for sure, 100%. Because if you yeah. think about it, the people that rule our world are not like us. They don't have empathy. They're cold. They don't, they're, they don't understand what it's like to be a normal, regular, actual feeling human. They rape? So, yeah. So they, yeah. And they, you know, molest and they, you know, well, is that, isn't that the Probe. same thing? Yeah. They, they do, they do all kinds of oh, inhuman fair things. Yeah. That's yeah. The word for it. You'd be right. Yeah. They, they do all kinds of inhuman things. So in a way they are kind of reptilian. Right. And I just thought of another one, the, the one that, uh, it was like the, the planes never hit the towers that it was a hologram. <laughs> Yeah, that wow. Because because that's fun too. You know, it's like oh, simulation, hologram, like that kind of thing, or something like that. Um, oh, that's interesting. See, like, but uh, but yeah, they definitely they they, they it was that was definitely real. <laughs> yeah, a hologram caused a lot of cancer. Well, yeah. what's what's the theory again that there was a hologram, but it covered up a cruise missile or something like that? Oh yeah, I don't. Yeah, it was like I remember seeing like a video where they were like showing that they're like, now look, if we slow the frame down, you could see that this isn't actually like the plane like goes into the building, kind of like that. I don't know that recent Biden thing where he, the people were saying like it was CGI. It's straight up, you guys remember what CGI looked like in two thousand one, right? Like it was not good. There's yeah, no it wasn't way good. they like hologrammed a missile a plane where a missile should be nobody nobody has yeah. that kind of technology Actually, but it's just like it's it like why why cool. yeah why go why go there why do that and because uh, it's like isn't it bad enough as it is do we have to add another layer to it like oh um hollow like, moon uh okay hollow moon i i haven't heard that one i, I heard oh, well, hollow earth that's an old one hollow moon oh. is old yeah, yeah. Allegedly, the the moon is a space station and it's hollow. That's another favorite because mm. how do you get there? Also, yeah. it is, is even, a hologram as well. Even okay. as far back as the 1800s, people have theorized that the moon is hollow and that there's like dinosaurs and shit living inside of it. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 literally in. Well, the ho the hollow Earth is uh <laughs> Hollow Earth is actually in the new Godzilla King Kong movie, which is really cool. It's uh, if you haven't seen it, it was really fun. It's like a fun, you know, popcorn action flick kind of thing, CGI. And uh but the main character is a conspiracy theorist podcaster with a, oh. a triangle with an eye in his logo <laughs> and he bring he he brings it's up you. like it's me, except he's black, so it's the black version of me. But uh, but he brings up a lot of conspiracies, and then they actually a part of the movie is them going to the Hollow Earth, where King Kong and Godzilla are both from. Spoiler alert, sorry, but this uh, sounds like the best movie I've ever heard of in my life. It's really cool. Yeah, I would definitely watch. It's it's really good, and the, the CGI is amazing. Yeah, awesome. Um, it was not amazing in two thousand one. They've come a long way since then. They have come a long way. Did yeah. you see nineteen ninety nine Godzilla? Travesty. Uh, oh yeah, that was bad. Yeah, they it they were just dark. trying to cash in on the um, like Jurassic Park was really big, and they turned Godzilla right. into basically just like a big raptor. I think right. Mm -hmm. Well, what's crazy about that though is in at that point in my life, I'd seen some of the black and white Godzilla stuff, and but I was I was a kid. I wasn't a Godzilla fan at that point. I was just a kid, and so I watched it and I was like, 
and I, I, I will still hold this position. Godzilla with Matthew Broderick is a shitty movie. But if you didn't call that monster Godzilla, it's a pretty badass monster. Yeah, yeah, cool, mo- cool looking monster. <laughs> I think it was God- now my my new favorite conspiracy theory is Godzilla did nine eleven. That's yes. Well, I mean that's not a theory. We all yeah, right. saw it. That's right. so. Have you guys seen that account on Twitter? It's every word did nine eleven. So every day it's a different thing. It's like women did nine eleven. Republicans did nine eleven. It's women did 9-11 a lot, though. Well, that, if, if, if that was true, if, if that was true, like the, the the woke crowd would be like, well, it's about time women got their you know share of, uh, you know, like just like I've uh, said too much. I've said too much. <laughs> but that's like I think that and it's one of the most insane things that I've, I've seen like recently was uh, something about oh, shit. I'm going to forget, but it was something about like in, the inclusion in our military, you know, of all, you know, everybody's included. Right. And it's like, Oh great. Yay. Like now everybody can drop bombs on people. Everybody gets a chance to be a murderer. Fantastic. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well that display by that lady cop was not good for the, the sisterhood. It was, yeah. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry she let you down. Yeah. Have, well, you know, there's a bunch of women shouldn't be cops things out there. And I'm like, look, I, I think you're half right. Like, <laughs> Hey, Marge Simpson was a good cop. All right. <laughs> okay. So hot, I, a hot cop too. Yeah. I may have shared this before, but one of my favorite Twitter accounts is TMNT Wikipedia articles. It's literally, and I'll, sh- I'll just, I'll, I'll share the screen. Teenage it's literally turtles. Yep. Oh, it's, it is a Twitter account that's dedicated to finding Wikipedia articles that you can sing to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles um, theme. So, oh, Network shit. Startup Resource Center, <laughs> Joseph Quincy Adams Jr. It's perfection. And every time it comes across my screen, I'm like, hmm. Yeah, there's, okay. See, there, there is good people. There, there's good in humanity. Yeah. <laughs> So there's also a similar thing to that, how um, Emily, Emily Dickinson's poems can all be sang to the tune of uh, Gilligan's Island. What? Yeah, hmm. I, I I think it's Emily Dickinson. I'm pretty sure that all of her poems have the same like pentameter. I don't know if I'm saying that right. So poetry nerds, please don't kill me. But it, they have the same pentameter as uh, the theme song to Gilligan's Island. And I, I, I've seen people try this out, and I'm pretty <laughs> sure it works, which is great. Cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, <laughs> I love these things. It's like the people who will watch movies and play a soundtrack at the same time and apparently lines up. Oh, have yeah. Have you done that? I have, yeah. I did that with The Wizard of Oz and Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon. Does On Mushrooms. Work? Yes, it's it does yep. work. And it's fun, but here, but here's the thing too. It's it's kind of like, you know, this. Um, uh, I don't know the exact like phraseology of it, but I would just say that just like it's just like if you believe that it's going to work and you're into it working and you want it to work, it's going to work. You know, yeah. you, you you sort of prime yourself to have that experience. Okay. Uh, so I don't know. Try playing Wizard of the Oz or uh, Wizard of Oz with. Um, 
you know, Metallica's Black Album or something like that. See if that works. <laughs> Maybe it will. It if might. If you want it to. Yeah. Just don't make me play the Beatles, please. Yeah, Not no a Beatles guy. <laughs> What's yeah. wrong with the Beatles? Um, they're just overrated, Jessica. I That's agree. It. That's fair. Yeah. I don't disagree with you. Yeah. <laughs> I just like there's some good stuff in there, but I'm not going to be binging it. It's like, do you remember years ago, Apple had this big thing where they were like, we're going to announce the biggest news. And they led up to it for like a couple months. And I was like, oh, is this going to be some kind of new device, some new thing that's going to be really awesome? And when I found out about it, I had actually gone to um, I was I was hanging out in Baltimore and we went to New York City. And when I was in Times Square, was it happened to be the day that they released this information. And so I look up, and on the screen, it's just, the Beatles albums are now on iTunes. And I was like, you sons of bitches. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Beatles did 9-11. <laughs> well, that's, that's also true. Yeah. They, they yeah. worked with Godzilla. Also, <laughs> the, that's the conspiracy, yeah. John Lennon was a piece of shit, like a piece of human garbage. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's back to what we started talking about. He completely didn't take care of his like family or anything, but he was like, we got to save the world. Peace. We're going to we're yep. going to have a sit in. We're just going to sit here and, you know. Yeah. Well, the maid would come and make the bed, so he would get up for that and then right. the help would come and make the bed and then he would lay back down. This yeah. was his he display would... for peace. Yeah. Can we talk about how a year ago they started the lockdowns and did all of that. And Gal Gadot and a bunch of celebrities did the poorest rendition of John Lennon's Imagine mm -hmm. <laughs> to, to cheer us up. Yeah. It made Real... me feel worse about everything. <laughs> yeah, it's total cringe. <laughs> uh, well, here's, here's one of my favorite questions. Uh, it's one we do with everyone. Do, have you, do you listen to to Michael Malice, have you heard of, you know, the white pill yeah. deal? Yeah. Well, so I liked it. Better explain it to me quick, quickly. I think I have a good understanding. Okay. So, um, which is, it's a good thing to refresh. Um, you know, the red pill and the blue pill. Blue pill is the kind of natural state where you've been, you've bought into all the, the propaganda, you live in the matrix and you believe it. Red right. pill is leaving that and seeing the carefully constructed world around you that was made to keep some nefarious people in power and then you go then there are two more pills any other color pill is bullshit okay. so if anyone says yellow or green or purple just shut the fuck up okay. you can't be purple pilled i mean the closest thing you can come to a purple pill is uh uh tim tim cast what's his name tim oh tim pool okay tim pool yeah. uh but <laughs> but there are two more pills there's the black pill that came first, which is kind of the nihilism, pessimistic, right, right, we're right. fucked pill. Yep. yep and yep. then there's the white pill. And so the okay. white pill is the it, it is one based in hope and optimism. It's okay, yeah, not necessarily the the idea that we will absolutely win and things are going to get better. It accepts that things are bad. It accepts that we're living in a rough place, but that we have the ability to make things better. We have the ability to win. Yeah. Um, so within that paradigm, we, on the show, we like to talk about hope and we like to talk about, uh, what we think are white pills 
And so a lot of people, when they talk, because I like to ask, what is your white pill for people? A lot of people will talk about these like huge things. They'll talk about politics or this or that. And there are a lot of good ones in that level, but it can also be small things. It can be things in your own personal life. So my question is, what do you think is a white pill that people could take that could microdose to kind of have some hope, some optimism within this uh, dark world that we're living in right now? Oh, I love it. I love this question. And yeah, shout out to, to Michael Malice for being such an optimist because right. uh, uh, Lord knows we need it. Um, so I, uh, I, I, I think that, you know, um, we all have we all have a choices that we can make, you know, mm-hmm. and I think that it comes down to, look, what we face in our world right now is insurmountable. Like we're, we're not going to fight the existing power structures and win. It's just not going to happen mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. That's not going to happen. Um, I, I tend to go with uh, Buckminster Fuller's uh, way of viewing things like you don't fight the existing uh, status quo, uh, to ch- make changes, what you do is you create appealing alternatives that make it obsolete. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And so I think that w- one of the ways is to literally defund what we don't like, like literally mm-hmm. vote with our choices, with our attention, with our energy mm-hmm. and with our uh, where we put our resources. So, you know, from every like i'm not a perfect example of this i still get packages from amazon you know and i sent you one <laughs> yeah thank you yeah that's right oh yeah right. here we go right here this beautiful t-shirt so, yeah, thank you very much um so so i think that it, it it's it might set it's you know the problem with this is it's not like sexy you know, it's not like some big yeah. grand, like we're going to take it to the streets and we're going to, you know, we're going to overfight and we're going to, you know, fucking take over a, a party and, and declare you know, whatever it is. It, it's it's that's all really sexy and appealing and provocative and things like that. But really, yeah. it just comes down to all of the choices that we make in our life, like every choice that you make. Are you making a choice that moves your life and the world into uh, an area that is more decentralized and more free, or are you are you feeding the machine, and are you contributing to perpetuating the uh, technocratic, you know, oligarchy? So, yeah. you know, for example, who do you bank with? Uh, where do you shop? Um, you know, what money do you even use? Right? Like, are you in, mm-hmm. do you have cryptocurrencies? Or is that a thing? Are you get are you using alternatives? So, almost kind of an agorist sort of approach, I guess I would say, but I, I really do believe that it really comes down to all of our personal choices and, Mm -hmm. you know, it's this, it's this horrible, terrible thing of ripping ourselves out of, uh, our, our comforts to choose different ways that might be challenging. It might be difficult. Uh, but I think that it's, uh, worth it. So some things that I'm doing is like, I'm, working on, you know, getting more like off grid and looking at Mm -hmm. some property in the mountains in Colorado, possibly even out of the country. Um, but like having, uh, having a place where people can come and participate in like 
growing food and gardening and, and things of that nature. And yeah, it might sound like kind of cliche or whatever, but I think that that really is a way to decentralize and to uh, eject ourselves from you know the the tyrannical beast of of this machine that is not going to stop we're not going to change it from within we're not going to change it by marching in the streets certainly not going to change it by throwing Molotov cocktails through Walmarts you know so <laughs> I think that that it's literally every single choice and it's also our attention too like are we going to spend our energy and attention on like debating people are we going to spend our energy and attention to uh you know the these sort of trivial things um or are we going to spend our energy and attention to building and creating and i think that right. the building and creating is how we actually so there's the rub actually is like a, i think a lot of people might say that they want a more free world but do they really I think that right. they may, they might just like to play the game. They might just like the attention and the the followers and the money that comes with the sponsors and all that kind of stuff. Can I just can I just give you one of these? Just mwah. yeah, that was that was <laughs> beautifully I, said. Absolutely. Well, and Every I, word. I, I I think that you may have gotten this more than anyone else hmm. that I've asked this oh, question great. of. Yeah. So cool. It's um, awesome. Well, no, and, hear and that? Hear that, Scott Horton? No, <laughs> <laughs> I love Scott. He's great. He's amazing. Oh yeah, he was. I will. I will say this. He is a very nice, good dude. Just period. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is. Like, yeah. That and and because you know you you I, we've met a few people at this point, yeah. and um, there are some that are nicer than others or kinder than others. I don't really love the word nice if I'm being honest because yeah. Yeah, I think that's kind of bullshit. But yeah, yeah, yeah. that's good. Um, that's that's kind of framed. I like that. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, but yeah, Scott Horton is a kind dude, and mm-hmm. he, I, I have, I've loved this conversation because I think you get it. And and I'm not saying that I'm some guy up here who I, I get it. No one else gets it. But no, but I'm down that a you, lot of people you resonate with it. that. If you feel that, yeah, yeah that's that's cool. Well, I mean, I yeah. And that, and that's kind of um, that's kind of what this whole show is about. Is I you know I do believe absolutely in and like I don't really use the word agorist just because you know that's very tied into a very specific person and a very specific right idea. yeah I and a lot of mine that, yeah. yeah came from like Harry Brown and you know how to how to be free in an unfree world mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. and uh, the the concept that if it, it was actually I got this from a little tweet exchange from uh, Bob Murphy, where someone said something about uh, practicing freedom to acquire it or something like that. And so I saw that and I was like, but that person was saying you don't. And I'm like, no, that's the opposite is true. In order to be free, you have to practice freedom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when we talked to Nicole Sauce a couple of weeks ago, who has done a lot of the uh, homesteading stuff. One of the things that she said and we kind of came in agreement with was uh, you need to find your people. And so I think one of the things and I need to I need to figure this out. But one of the things I want to do is I do want to create a, um, you know, there there there's like Porkfest, there's uh, Childerberg, there are these other things. But I do want to kind of make something for us and for the people that think in this vein. And so I'm slowly working on the idea of the Bohemian Grove mm, sometime near the end of the year. 
So anyone. Oh, was it Brohemian? When I yeah, when you dude. sent that to me, I thought it was Bohemian. I was like, nah, Ooh, I don't know the about official that name. Name, yeah. <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> yeah. I like yeah, Brohemian. Right. That's better. Yeah, yeah. I, I I want to I want to try to set up a Brohemian Grove where like people who think like us, people who are willing to have fun like we are, because one of the things with me and Jessica and I, I, I'm sure you partake in this as well is just absurdity. Oh yeah. We laugh at the absurd. We mm-hmm. we I engage in absurdity because it's so much fun. But yeah, that's a project that I'm trying very hard to work on is to come up with the first Bohemian Grove that'll be in Florida. Uh, I love it. Yeah. So well, keep, if anyone's interested in this, we need a Bohemian Grove. <laughs> what, yeah. What what I've been noticing specifically over the past year is People of all people from all different uh, ideologies, walks of life, parties, uh, whatever, uh, are sort of the black sheep of that group who are kind of the free and open thinkers, and they don't really have like a home, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we all do in a sort of a decentralized way because we're just we're like a no 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 banner, no flag, no label kind of people and we're just like yeah cool like i'll like mix it up with you i'll mix it up with you and if there's something we we could agree upon and we can make like transactions with each other that work and make sense and we could build and collaborate great but we don't have to like label it something and become some kind of cult and i think it's really really cool because you see people from all over the place like coming to this realization that like hey i think for myself i don't want to be hey shroomitarians that's good too (laughs) (laughs) shroomarchists oh shroomarchists that's what it said (laughs) i like no no no, it said shroomitarians oh yeah Yeah. okay cool i thought i was like (laughs) okay yeah but yeah i mean that's yeah, I love it. I mean, I'll give you an example, actually, like quickly. I don't know if we have to wrap soon, but we don't have to at all. OK, we, it's, yeah, it's, it's open. I'll, I'll, as long like as you're exa- happy and I'm happy and she's happy. We're good to go, dude. Yeah, I'm having a good time. So so when I moved to Denver, Colorado, the initiative to decriminalize psilocybin mushrooms had just started. And I, I kind of quickly got involved with that. And, you know, what I realized was there's just there's people from all over, people from the Green Party, people that are socialists, people that are libertarians. But everybody was coming together with one common goal to decriminalize psilocybin mushrooms in Denver and it was literally just everybody making a choice to go door to door and knock on people's doors and be like hey have you guys heard about psilocybin mushrooms like do you know the benefits of them this is on the ballot and it it was like it was like a movie like we watched the when when May 7th came we had like a watch party and the results came in looked like we lost then literally the next day like we we just passed it like all the final votes didn't count like came in and and you know i i think like back in my kind of back in my maybe rothbardian type days or or something like that like i was like well we shouldn't have to fucking beg the state you know for permission or whatever but it was like hey we all came together and we actually did something and now no money and no resources from tax dollars are going to arrest people for for these things and criminalize these behaviors and that's sort of a real world actionable thing that just if you can get build common ground on on an issue like that with people from all walks of life then you can start that's like a white pill thing too i think yeah yeah well and and just so you know when i figure out the bohemian grove you're totally invited to come hell yeah nice yeah (laughs) well we'll do the cremation of the mushroom (laughs) 
now I need to know what this is. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, at the Bohemian Grove, they have the cremation of care where they like li- oh, okay. they, they they light the owl, the big right, effigy. Right, 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 right. What is it, Moloch or whatever? Um, so we'll do ours with like a mushroom or something. Yeah, <laughs> big mushroom. We can make it a mushroom cloud. It could be. It could double as an anti-war move. There you. Yes. There we go. Yeah, I mean, I, like I, that. I, that's the problem is like for so long, this show used to be called Make Liberty Great Again. Nice. That was just kind of a tongue in cheek thing. And that was like, no, we're not doing that anymore. But for years, if you saw anything about me, there was a giant black and white mushroom cloud in the picture. And so I have a, I have an affinity for them, yeah. <laughs> even though they're horrible, terrible things. <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody mm. at least one time in their life should try to do psilocybin mushrooms. Do it in an environment where you feel safe with people that you trust. But I think it's a really um, enlightening experience to who you are as a person. So I know, Cam, that you're not in the camp of people who have done things like that. But Well, let me tell you. I don't know if I've told everyone this, but I have smoked the weed and when i've done it more than half the time i throw up because it it fucks up with my inner ear so like i get uh, essentially seasick and i it's such a people oh did you get drunk too no i didn't i tried it with both to see if i if that was the problem turns out just every other time it fucks me up so i don't know if psilocybin would do that to me but i am curious about hallucinogens like my husband, for example, he throws up every time he trips with mushrooms. He'll throw up every time, but after he throws up, he trips and he has a great time. So it's mm-hmm. like you you pay the piper a little bit, mm-hmm. but <laughs> yeah. totally well, with worth it. Me, I have the fun part, and then I have to crawl on the floor to bed with a bucket mm. behind me. <laughs> Yeah. So like, yeah, I think that your body is telling you something, right? Like I think that if you're at least curious or you're open, you know, uh, start, start, start looking into it, you know, because I think that for me, one of the things like I'm a very, I I was a very stubborn and still am to, to a certain degree, stubborn kind of narrow sighted individual that would attach onto things and then argue my position until I wore the other person out. Um, but I think what, uh, psychedelics have done for me and and you know mushrooms ayahuasca like really it it makes you you come to the understanding that there are the unknown unknowns and it wide Mm -hmm. and widens your perspective on things but you could also achieve that through prayer through meditation through altered uh, other kinds of altered states of consciousness or non-ordinary states fasting float tanks um yeah i mean they're like if you if you lodge Sweat Lodge is another one, uh, you know, drum, dancing, like these kinds of things, stack dance, cacao ceremonies. There's a number of ways, holotropic breath work, Wim Hof breathing, these these things that really get you out of your kind of logical, you know, rigid mind. And, mm-hmm. you know, what they do is they dissolve borders and boundaries and help you make connections to maybe seemingly disparate ideas uh, or ways of seeing the world, like Stanislav Grof, who's you know a real psychedelic pioneer, uh, said that that psychedelics are a tool just like anything else. They're non-specific amplifiers, um, and they are used just as the telescope is used to observe space, or the microscope is used to observe the cells. 
things that we can't see. It's the same kind of thing with psychedelics. They're just going to kind of widen your view uh, and and include more of uh, the 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 reality that we can't see. And yeah. Well, one of the things that you've mentioned in passing a couple of times is the um, about debating or arguing or the, something like that. Um, and one of the things that I drew from a speech that Jeff Deist gave, which, by the way, Jeff Deist will be coming on the podcast on April 25th, Sunday, April 25th. Um, there you go. Now, you know, yeah. Jeff uh, Deist but, is the man. I love Jeff. Deist. Yeah. But one of the phrases he used, and I don't know if I'm using it the same way that he did, because what happens is like in when I'm listening to someone preach or if I'm listening to someone teach nine out of 10 times, they 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 say something. My brain goes and starts working on that idea. And one of the thing, one of the phrases he said was post persuasion. Mm -hmm. And so it was one of those things that really uh, connected with me because I used to be that guy on Facebook uh, not so much on Twitter because that was always just a completely different situation for me. But I would be the guy who's arguing about the Constitution or about um, other like how you can own property, homesteading, blah blah blah. I used to be that guy, and then in I think 2015 or 2016, I stopped arguing completely. I removed it from my my activities because. One, I found out that the return on that was like maybe one or two people, which mm -hmm. is good. That's a good thing. But really part of it was people tagging me in their arguments to argue for them. And yeah. that just, I didn't like that. Right. Um, but I realized when he used that phrase that I actually believe that we are post-persuasion. I think that most people are locked in to their programming. They're like the you know the NPCs, and so when you're trying to argue with them, you're not actually arguing with the person, and so mm -hmm. persuading them with argument, with debate, etc., you know, ninety nine out of a hundred times isn't going to work. Right. Yeah, and, and it'll just reinforce their position as well. Right. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so I think that what's What's interesting about that is be, just because I believe that we're in a period that is post-persuasion and I am post-persuasion, what that means is it really puts the onus on one um, uh, what's uh, example, modeling, acting as though as who you want to be and acting out, uh, practicing your freedom. And mm -hmm. two, telling the stories and having conversations that matter, not arguments, but conversations that matter. <clears throat> and right. so that's where I am. And so even though you've kind of said it offhand a couple of times that I very much connect with because, you know, Twitter for the person who's looking to argue, it, I guess it can be fun for them. It never was for me. I put way too much emotional baggage when I'm like arguing with someone. So why do that? Why not just troll them instead? Um, which is what I do. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, but I, th I, I don't know how, how you feel about what that you know long-winded spiel I just went through. I, I, yeah, I love it. Yeah, that's where <laughs> that's 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 where I am. I am I I and I. It's not that there aren't people who can be persuaded out there. There are. I was, but I wasn't persuaded by an argument about the fucking national debt. 
Right. Yeah. Right. Like I, I, I was, I was never persuaded on an argument about about inflation, yeah, or um, quantitative easing. It was for me. It was connecting to the story of people I didn't know. A hundred percent pain of people that I didn't know, and so for me. I'm post-persuasion. I would much rather tell good stories, talk to good people, and uh, act out. It's like what uh, was it Gandhi that said, um, "Be the change you want to see in the world." Yeah, yeah. Be the glitch you want to see in the Matrix. Right. <laughs> the anomaly. <laughs> <That's> good. <laughs> I'm gonna have to make oh. a, a shirt for this episode that just says, "Be the glitch you want to see in the Matrix." There you go. Yeah, I'll take ten percent. Um, <laughs> There was a um, something that you had said earlier, Cam, that actually reminded me of a Carl Sagan quote, and you almost mm. exactly nailed the Carl Sagan quote. So I don't know if you're familiar with Carl Sagan or not. But- All I know about Carl Sagan is literally that Neil deGrasse Tyson knew him, and he was in Carl Sagan's journal or calendar or something. That's yeah, the long that's and the short of what I know about so- Carl Sagan. Carl Sagan um, was a science popularist in the 70s, and he's actually kind of one of my heroes. He's the person who got me interested in like how the fundamentals of nature work because mm-hmm. of his series Cosmos. And what the quote I, I went looking for while we were talking was skeptical scrutiny is the means in both science and religion by which deep thoughts could be winnowed from deep nonsense. Hmm. And you had said about using science as a tool to like discern what is from what isn't. Yeah. And you almost nailed exactly what Carl Sagan had to say. (laughs) It's, it's a real son of a bitch to me that Neil deGrasse Tyson claims to be the heir of Carl Sagan because he's not fit to wipe his boots. And yeah, he's, he's he's CIA. He's an op. Yeah. Whereas Carl Sagan, Carl Sagan made a seven part series called cosmos in the 1970s. And everybody really should watch it because even today, everything he said in that series stands up and it is beautiful. And people should watch that. Let me ask, because I tried to watch. He's poetic. I tried to watch the first episode of Neil deGrasse Tyson's cosmos and Mm -hmm. I didn't get very far. Is it actually like scientific? Because I, if I remember correctly, there's a lot of shit on like the History Channel and stuff like that. But it was like talking about what could be on these other planets, and I'm just like, right. you're so you're so full of shit. You don't know that. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, I wouldn't say that at all. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the physicist um, Richard Feynman. Yeah. Um, but he's one of the bigger names in physics. And he wrote a book called The Pleasure of Finding Things Out. Huh. And it was um, it, it's a it's a beautiful piece of work. And in the beginning chapters, he talks about the way his father would take him out into nature and explain the world to him using examples that he could understand. So when he would mm-hmm. be asking his father about, like, how big is a dinosaur really? would say, well, you know, if a T-Rex was standing in your front yard, he could stick his face in your second floor window. And that, you know, so a child of five or six years old can be explained uh, deeply complex scientific topics if you understand them well well enough. You don't understand something well enough that you can't explain it to a five or six year old child. You don't understand it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, Carl Sagan um, was one of those unique souls who understood that there is a beauty and awe in nature that 
you know, cold science alone doesn't like quite describe like he, as, as Mike was saying, he's a, he's a poetic and um, I, I dare I say spiritual person, although he is pretty anti-religion. I believe that uh, he saw the world spiritually yeah. and yeah, that is did, a de yeah. yeah departure from Neil, Neil deGrasse, Tyson, who claims to be his heir. But as you know, as we've seen through history, every time there's a great king, the shitty king that comes after him always says, well, the great king that I'm descended from, you mm -hmm. know, that's what we've got here. He, he's he's you, you know, it was an example of that 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 pissed me off was when Ted Cruz in 2015 went out and claimed to be the heir of Ron Paul. About I'm like, the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Ted Cruz can eat my whole ass. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. What do you No. But no, and I think that that's interesting. And I think it plays well into the human mind because the human mind, look at the thing that makes the most money in our country outside of gas, oil, power, necessities. Sex. It's Hollywood. Sex. It's story. It's mm -hmm. it's connecting with human beings on the narrative level. Mm -hmm. And okay. so I think that you're right that if you don't approach creation, you could say nature. I'll say creation. If you don't approach creation poetically, in some ways spiritually and narratively, you're missing the boat because you're not telling a compelling story. Mm -hmm. People need good stories. Yeah. One thing that I saw on TikTok the other day, I have TikTok because I'm hip, um, was a, uh, uh, I don't know who he was, but there was a, a professor or someone speaking, and he was talking about how when you talk to children, we have set up, um, what's the word? Acceptable, um, approved vernacular vocabulary for kids. Mm -hmm. So a child who is five seven years old if you use the word serene i can tell you this with my my five and six year olds if i use the, the word serene and i tell them that it means peaceful or calm they're going to use it that way there is no reason to not treat children as if they are not the beautiful wonderful knowledge and wisdom sponges that they are yeah. And so that is something that that's been hitting me over the last couple of days is I don't really do that anyway. I don't like bring it down. I, when I read them things, when I tell them stories, I just tell them the truth. I tell them what it is. I talk to them as if they are adult human beings. And if they have, I, I tell them, if you have questions, ask them and I will answer them as succinctly as possible. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, it's crazy though, because like, when I was a kid, there were words that I would not use. I can't really think of um, any any in particular off the top of my head outside of one that's pretty simple, which was um, when my son was like four, three or four, I would use – I. so one of my pet peeves is when you have to use two at the end of a sentence. Like I went there too, but there's another – two to in front of it and so if you say two two i hate that so i will use also because it's just one of those th i just hate saying it. it just makes me sound like i'm 
I've got a stutter like Joe Biden. Um, but I was already a tutu, man. Come on. <laughs> and so I use also, and it's really funny to hear a four-year-old go, "Yeah, I want to do that also." Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. it's a very simple, simple thing. But there are a lot of these where he's using, like, my six-year-old is using words and concepts that either some of them I don't know where he got them from because I don't think it's really in my my regular you know vernacular but there are others that I'm like wow he is just a sponge and he understands exactly how I said that how I meant it and what it meant and so this is a random weird tangent but treat your children like they're the magnificent creatures that they are because Mm -hmm. we we treat them like kids and that's the way we use treat them like kids or boys will be boys or whatever. These are typically ways that we bring them down to a level that I think is not right. Like at all. It it just extends too. like, it's Mm -hmm. like everybody's in the kid bubble now, you you know, it's like Mm -hmm. that, that ideology just continues. It's like, okay, everybody's got to be treated like little kitty kids. And, you know, Alan Watts, one of my greatest uh, teachers, uh, I consider my greatest, you know, spiritual teachers, Alan Watts, said uh, that 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 is one of the biggest problems with our society is that we do not treat children as independent, sovereign beings, but we treat them like candidates for humanity. Like they're, they're, yeah, like they're, they're not, they're not fully, we, we have to fill them with our junk. And, yeah. and introduce them into our backward shit world. But if we actually fostered their own individuality and creativity and spoke to them like the sovereign beings that they are, well, I mean, we could really change things in a couple generations, I think. In a way, between the ages of zero and five, your children are smarter than you. They have more neuroplasticity than you have at your old age. It's and terrifying. they are learning faster and at, at an alarming rate. And if you gave them the material, they would absorb it. And there's not a lot in this universe that kids can't understand. If you think that they can't understand the vastness of the universe, I watched my husband the other day explain to a seven-year-old how many stars there were in the universe. And he understood it perfectly. Mm. He didn't have to use a number. He said there are more stars than there are grains of sand in all the beaches in all the world. And immediately at seven years old, he was like, holy shit, that's a lot. Like, I mean, he didn't say that, but you could see it in his head. He's like, oh, man, I was not prepared for how many stars there are. He understood perfectly. So, yeah, absolutely. Give them the opportunity because there's not there's not a lot that's blowing your mind that's going to blow theirs. Their minds are ready for it. Yeah. He's like, father, this evidence is. The staggering and the preponderance of such is just you you must elucidate me on your <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah was the, that the, was the, that did you just pull up fat dave smith by the way did. did that just flash on the screen or was i hallucin <laughs> was i hallucinating or bam majera right yeah that was the, the thing yeah it. that's funny oh god i laughed so hard when i put that into the app and made and made uh, fat dave smith it's, it's just beautiful. Yeah, so <laughs> puffy. He sent me up until like twelve forty-five at night. Fat pictures of everybody in the Liberty community, and some of us are already fat. So it was. 
Yeah. Monstrous. Yeah. 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 Do a do a morbidly obese one of me, please. I want to be like Jabba oh. the Hutt. It goes really big. He's that that fat Dave Smith. That's oh, not even as hey. big as it could have gone. Do you want to see? Um, that's Super actually what, that's Joe actually Logan. what happened. Oh yeah, I would love to see it. Yeah, <laughs> Jessica, keep the conversation. I have to get this on the, on the screen. Oh, yeah. I don't shit. That's a lot of pressure. I don't know what to talk about now. <laughs> so you like uh, things? <laughs> I do. You know, and stuff. And stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've got legs. I got arms. Ooh. Yeah, hey. that's great. All no, right. so the Have other day, legitimately. Arm... No, go ahead. Go ahead. Mine's terrible, so you go ahead with no, yours. No, I want to hear the terrible thing. Tell me the terrible okay, thing. Okay, so um, I, I posted, somebody posted a picture of the people rioting at the Capitol and mm. said, oh, yeah, these people look really safe, don't they? But when you started like looking at the actual individual human beings in the picture, they're all like Midwestern nerds. <laughs> oh, man, that's great. <laughs> yeah, that's what uh, I, I want to see that. I want to just like just get Tim Dillon to just like take Joe out to just all the the best restaurants and you know, wherever he eats regularly. Feast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What I love about this, though, is this is like three or four. So I went from, you know, that regular picture of Joe Rogan and then I fattened him up like three times. And what's funny is in this picture, you see that there's a microphone in front of him, but it's not there anymore. That's yeah, because under- every time <laughs> I fattened him up, he slowly ate the microphone. <laughs> like it went, it went from microphone, a little less microphone, a little less, no microphone. So it's this is this part is of the purely jowl. sure weight. He lo- he looks like su- he almost looks like uh like a Rush Limbaugh or like a like Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man, <laughs> maybe a hybrid of both. Oh, oh man, wow. there were so many good looks ones. Like something. So many good ones. So uh, what's what's funny is if you if you fatten up Michael Malice, he becomes Rush Limbaugh. Or Glenn Beck, like fat Glenn Beck. Oh, yeah. No, that was really close. Yeah. M- Michael Malice becomes Glenn Beck? Comes fat Glenn Beck, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's beautiful stuff. It's a beautiful world that we're living in. Yeah. Period. That's cool. <laughs> and then very skinny Tom Woods, incidentally, looked a little bit like Scott Horton. Scott Horton. Yeah. Just straight oh, up. Oh, like I saw you did weird. that one, too. Nice. Yeah. Oh, I like it. Keep it going. Yeah. Now I'm I want I want one. Fat fat me or fat me, skinny me. Yeah, make me anorexic. I don't know. It'd be great. And let me let me do that right now. Oh let great. Me... Awesome. So let me ask you while I'm doing this. Yeah. Um I asked you the the white pill question. Yes. Um but in addition to that, is there anything because I mean that's that the question really is what do you want the world to know? Um, but that's another question is, um, what do you think is a piece of knowledge or of wisdom? One of the two, those are different things. It's a distinction worth making, um, that you think more people would live better lives or, um, have a better, you know, grasp and fun in their life. If they just, is there some tidbit? That's made your life better. Be here now. Okay. Ramdas. Just be be in wherever you are, be where you are. 
and be what you are and listen to people when they talk, really listen to them uh, and really be in the moment that you're in, not thinking about what you're going to do later that day or worrying about something because then you're, you're wasting your life and you're causing yourself unnecessary anxiety. And I know it's a hard process to untangle from, from all that stuff, but really, you know, if, if you are, say you're having a conversation with someone and you're, you're disagreeing with them or whatever, get rid of all of your like preconceived ideas, your preconceptions about them or who they are, your judgments, and just really be there and really listen and really respond. Um, and I think that like, I, that's why I love doing podcasts. I'm sure that you guys understand exactly what I'm talking about. Like when you're talking and when you're doing this, if you're not in the moment, if you're not really paying attention, you're going to miss mm -hmm. something. You're going to slip up. You're, you're going to, it's not going to be as good, but if you're really right there, um, then I think that a lot of magic can happen. And, and then like just practically, I mean, just on like a more general level, like when you, when you actually are present to what you're doing, you can even get into a flow state, which really heightens the experience of being alive where sort of time and space ceases to exist. And you're, you know, if you've ever done anything exhilarating like surfing or skateboarding or, or whatever, something like that, it's like you really have to pay attention to what you're doing. Um, and maybe it's like, you know, you're doing like some woodworking or whatever you're doing. If you're really doing the thing that you're doing and you're thinking you're really zoned in, I think that that is uh, a, a great way to be. And you're really going to have a richer life for, for doing that. I've experienced the uh, flow state. You said um, yeah. when painting, I, I do watercolor painting, right? Yeah. And yeah, you get into like a zone, and uh -huh. you're just in it, and that's when the, your best work happens. I can right. definitely relate to that experience for sure. Painting, music, you know, sports, what, whatever. There's just the, the the when you're really actively engaged. I mean, that's why I think doing. Uh, also doing kind of like dangerous activities are can be really helpful for that too because you you're sort of forced to re like be in this moment um mm -hmm. like i went like bouldering the like a little while ago so you're like kind of rock climbing it's like you yeah, really cool. have to pay you really have to pay attention to what you're doing otherwise you know and and because you're paying attention so much to what you're doing it really heightens the moment it heightens reality in life everything becomes really heightened and really intense but pleasurable Absolutely. so that's yeah that would be uh a key point. one of the one of the seminal moments of my life was on a hike um i i want to urge everyone who might be listening right now there's a rule in life which is never follow a hippie to a second location <laughs> and please take that rule seriously. It yeah. comes from hard won experience. Yeah. So I followed some hippies to a second location while hiking and they wanted to hike down a waterfall called big Bradley in North Carolina. Um, that hike is meant for people with like experience who know how to like screw carabiners into the rock face and shit like that. And I was in flip flops and these hippies just like crawled down this mountain, like, they're little ants or whatever. And I was a fat waitress from the city at the time. I was not prepared to skitter up and down the side of this mountain. So um, I wasn't able to climb back up the mountain. Unfortunately, I lacked the upper arm strength to do it. So I had to um, find another way around the mountain. And I had to jump over a chasm that basically dropped 80 feet down. And I'm only less than five feet tall. My jump is not like 
a man's jump. I can't like get across large spaces. So um, I had to like screw up the courage. My husband saved my life that day. That's why I married him, by the way. He stretched his body like across this rock chasm so that I could cling to him while I crawled across it. But I managed to like make myself cross this 80 foot drop chasm. And that moment was like this incredible moment of courage for me. And I never forgot it. Many, many days have gone by that I've been on Twitter and I've dunked on people and had big debates that I've won and I lost and all these things. But nothing can I can recall so sharply as having to cross that 80, 80 foot chasm um, while climbing up the Big Bradley that day. So, yeah, there is absolutely something to doing something you might die doing. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. makes you understand your life and like appreciate yeah. it deeply. Makes you feel you. I yeah. bet you you felt super grateful to be alive after that, right? Afterward, like, holy yeah. shit! <laughs> I am so grateful for my life and who I am, and yeah, it's definitely, yeah, that's really cool. And I cannot stress enough. Let me just say it for the third time because there might be younger people who might hear this. Never follow a hippie to a second location. Yeah. Please take my advice. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh man. Oh. He looks well, look nice. at that. Look at that monster. I look like Hodor from Game of Thrones. <laughs> he looks nice. I would He looks happy. <laughs> I would let him take me out for a nice seafood Yeah, he, it looks like the guy that, you know, is, you know, it's just like, well, he's at least he's happy. That's, you know. <laughs> he looks like he's nice. Like he'd yeah. treat a lady well. Well, that's, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Well, there she is, oh, super my skinny. God. Yeah, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Kind of looks like my, my brother a little bit, actually, because my brother is a, a real <laughs> pinhead. Yeah. This, this app is evil. I, I almost look like uh, like Middle Eastern or something, too. <laughs> I was thinking like Freddie Mercury vibes a little bit. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. The teeth just getting I don't bigger know and bigger is. each time. Yeah. <laughs> and like the AIDS making them get Good smaller. Good job. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Live in a wonderful world, I'm telling you. <laughs> well, Mike, I have truly enjoyed this. I feel like. Um, and you can disagree with me if you'd like, but I feel like we've made friends here tonight. I disagree. I Good. think we're, I think we're BFFs. Oh, <laughs> yeah, totally. Better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was great. <laughs> I had a go great with time. Mortal enemies. I had a, I had a really great time. Um, really enjoyed it very much. Uh, you guys are awesome. Well, I really appreciate you coming on. It was so funny because, um, we, cause we, uh, as you know now, we schedule like pretty good bit out about a month out. Yeah, and I was just like, you know who I want to talk to? Mike Brancatelli. I haven't heard from him in so long. I just want to talk to Mike. And I was so happy that uh, I, I eventually got to you because I sent you a message and you don't check your Twitter DMs. Yeah, I wasn't on it <laughs> at that point. Yeah, I'm, I'm active now, but I'll be off again in two weeks. <laughs> But I really appreciate you answering me when I when I bugged you in on the timeline. And uh, so before we wrap this up, um, if you want to find Mike, you can go if you want to see him on Twitter for short periods of time, followed by great absences. You can follow him at Mike Brank at M-I-K-E-B-R-A-N-C. Uh, if you want to check out all the things he's doing, you want to check out his art, his podcast, 
all the things. You can go to mikebrink.com, spelled the same way. And if you're not listening to Mikeadelic, we're not friends anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, listen to it. And 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 uh as Jessica was saying, she was listening to my science is fake episode. So that is uh my my Patreon episodes and I'm calling it Dosadelic right now, kind of a working title because I couldn't think of anything better. But I'm starting a new comedy show. Uh it's gonna be okay. just a straight up comedy podcast, which is that episode Science is Fake. And there's a couple out right now on the main Mikeadelic feed, but me and my co host Matt are just having a lot of fun uh just being unhinged lunatics and saying whatever we want and it feels really good. So check that out too. Oh, awesome. Is there is there anything else I, I need to tell the people where That's to find it. you? That's all it. right. So let's move into the boring section that you all well, you not all of you, but maybe some of you know already. If you want to find me on Twitter, it's at Cam Harless. Jessica here is at Soup Canarchist, um, which is I'm I'm still so proud of that um, that I made her <laughs> take on a, a secret dick joke that I made as her name. Um, if you want to join our little band of misfits and uh, how, how does it go, uh, ragtag wannabes, you can join us on Locals at uh, themadones.locals.com. We have shirts. I'll put them in the description. I'll put them on the website. If you want to find them, you can. I will work on a um, "Be the Glitch in the Matrix." Be wait, how how was it again? Be the glitch be the you want to see in the Matrix. You want to see in the Matrix. Yeah. I'm going to make that shirt this week, and I'm I, I'm going to put that up. Um, beyond that, if you want to listen to us, we are themadones.com. If you want to watch us, if you're listening to this and you're not seeing my face, I know you're missing out because this beard hair combo. Come on, this yeah. is something you want to see. This is Aryan Jesus. <laughs> and you want to see that. Um, so youtube.com slash the mad ones for that. We are on Odyssey so that we're uncancelable. We'll just keep putting them up. If if YouTube says fuck you, you're done. Odyssey. Um, and listen to all the other shows that we do at MLGAnetwork.com. And if you want some coffee, some fine Italian coffee, go to Lorenzotti.coffee and yeah. use the promo code the mad ones. And with, oh, Alex Jones did nothing wrong also needs to be a shirt. Yes, Heather, I will make that. Just because you said that, I will make that as well. Fantastic Um, shirt. Tomorrow, we have Joshua Smith from the LP. Fun fact. um, So I don't think YouTube likes it when you use um, slurs. But the first, one of the first interactions I had with Josh Smith was when I called him, I, I made a meme calling him an LP gay F word and he just went with it and I was like okay he's he's good so, but he'll be on he'll be <laughs> on here tomorrow with us uh, on tax day to rail at the state and all the the theft that they extort from us then next week we have Clint from Liberty Lockdown Carrie Wedler the week after that um, then we're starting our friends month in May with Freckles and Brit followed by the most fun conspiracy theorist that you'll ever ever meet miss monica perez right after that so that's all i have for you and with that do you have any parting words mike or jessica for these fine people well it's it's better it's (laughs) i was gonna say it's better it's better to be it's better to be mad than normal so stay mad nice the mad ones i like it Fuck. I don't think it landed with Cam. Yeah, <laughs> He's like, no, I don't like I don't like that slogan. 
<laughs> I think his pods fell out. Oh. Is that what they are, pods? Can you, you can't hear us, Cam? Oh, he didn't hear thing. me. Well, you could just delete that then. I didn't say anything. <laughs> We're live. <laughs> but I can't, I can't hear you now. Um, okay. <laughs> so I don't know what was said, but it was something, and I'll have to listen back. It was really anything good, else? yeah. That's it. We're Thanks good, yeah. Me. Yeah, you, you guys are awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks, All right, Mike. so with that, dear dear listeners, dear watchers, everyone who's hearing this, as, like I say, live the wife, live the wife. Live the life you want to live the way you want to live it. Keep them oiled and tell anyone who tells you any different to go to hell. And I should hit the button now. God, just absolutely terrible technical difficulties.